lesson for today, the fourth Sunday in Lent, comes from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is, not, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man named Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, well, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confesses Jesus as to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. But one thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But God does listen to one who worships and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. But they answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and now you are trying to teach us. And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one who is speaking with you is he. 
And he replied, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The gospel of the Lord. Anybody start a stopwatch on that? See how long that took? People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. How many people remember Mr. Holland's opus? Isn't that like one of the great movies? Maybe you've noticed this about me. Every movie from the 90s is one of the great movies. I'm lost. Back to Mr. Holland's opus. If you're not familiar with the movie, first go to Amazon and rent it because you're missing out on a classic. But the whole premise for this movie is Mr. Holland is he's a musician. And in his young adulthood, he's, I don't know, maybe I'd estimate he's probably supposed to be about 25 or maybe 30 years old. He and his wife decide that he's, he needs to spend a couple of years as a music teacher. And this is to create some financial stability, and then after that he can go on and be a, just a full-time musician for the rest of his life. And so he, he reluctantly becomes a music teacher, and of course he falls in love with it and, and spends his entire career as a music teacher. And we, throughout the movie, we sort of pick up with him at various times through his career. And as time goes on, he and his wife have a son, and we find out in, when his son is very, very young that he's almost completely deaf. They, they find out he's not all the way deaf. He can hear just a little bit, but, but really not very much. And, of course, this brings difficulties in, in to their, into their lives in, in trying to deal with their son at, at a time when, uh, when that was a tricky, a tricky situation. So time goes on. His son gets a little bit older. And they zero in on a moment when his son, I don't know, he's probably 15, 16, 17, you know, that perfect age when teenagers get along so well with their parents. Yeah. And in this particular moment of the movie, it corresponds with the day when John Lennon was killed. And, of course, as a musician and a music teacher, this affects Mr. Holland very deeply. And so he comes home, and he's upset and, uh, and, and everyone is talking. His wife and he and his, his son is in there trying to communicate as well. And, and they're all kind of just snipping at each other. And, of course, his son is using sign language. That's how he, how he communicates and trying to get his dad's attention. And he wants to say something. And Mr. Holland, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. And now his son can talk a little bit at this point. And he just gets so frustrated that his dad won't listen to him that he finally, in a minute, now, like, listen to me. You will hear me now. Now, I want you to kind of tuck that idea in the back of your mind. I think that's important as we consider this rather lengthy gospel lesson that we had today, the story of the man born blind I really appreciate this, this story and kind of what happens, but, but it's a marathon. There's a lot going on here. So Jesus has been in Jerusalem, and he's just left the temple. And at some point, we don't know if he's still in the city or if he's just somewhere in the, the immediate region around it, but he encounters this guy who's been born blind. He's been blind his entire life, and because of his, his inability to see, this man's a beggar. And as we pick up the story, we have this moment 
where the disciples, Jesus' disciples, actually ask a question of Jesus about this guy. And it sort of reveals a, a misconception of that time, and maybe it's still a misconception now, I don't know. But, but who sinned that this man was born blind? Was, was he the one who was a sinner, or did his parents sin? They're essentially, like, why is he blind? It's got to be a punishment for something. And Jesus points out, no, it's not because he's sinful. It's not because his parents are sinful. This happened, this moment is here so that the glory of God may be revealed. And then from there, Jesus moves into this sign, this miracle, this healing. And it's an, it's an odd one, the way he does it. Now, Jesus heals different people in different ways. Sometimes he just speaks the word. Sometimes he just kind of touches them. Sometimes they touch him. It, it happens in a lot of different ways. In this case, he spits in the dirt, and he, he kind of mixes it around to make mud, and he smears it on the guy's eyes. And then he sends him off to the Pool of Siloam. Now, the Pool of Siloam is just this this pool that's just outside the city of Jerusalem. And it's interesting that Siloam means sent. This guy is sent by Jesus to a place called Sent. Weird, but actually, I think, intentional. And Jesus gives him the instruction, go wash in the pool. And, and then Jesus kind of disappears. And the man makes his way to the pool, and he washes, and whoa, now he can see. First time in his life he can see. Now, for this guy, this is, this is reality-shaking, reality-altering. This has utterly changed his life. He's never been able to see. Now he can see. And I imagine he's just through the roof excited and sharing it with everybody that he knows, everybody that he encounters, that this moment has happened. Now, we, see, we hear he kind of goes back to wherever it is that he's from because he starts to encounter some of his neighbors. And his neighbors can't seem to accept it. They're like, is, is this the guy that was blind? And he's like, yeah, guys, it's me. It's me. I, I can see. And they're like, well, how did it happen? And he says, well, this guy named Jesus made some mud, and he smeared it on my face, and he told me to go wash. And as soon as I washed it off, I could see. Oh. And some were like, oh. And some were like, yeah, we don't think so. It just looks like the guy it can't really be him. They're not really listening to him. So it kind of goes around and around and around. So the, finally, they can't really get anywhere. So they're going to go to the elite. They're going to go to the ones with authority who can make a judgment call of what has happened. So they take him to the Pharisees, to, who are kind of the religious elite. And he has to tell his story again. What happened? Well, like I was saying, met a guy named Jesus. He put mud on my face. He told me to go wash. I went and washed. I could see. What happened? Mud? Wash? Huh? I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but I'm going to keep doing that. We don't believe you. Get his parents in here. Is that your kid? Yeah. How can he see? We don't know. Don't kick us out. They're scared. They don't want to lose their community. They don't want to be cast out of the, the synagogue. So they kind of, like, he's old enough, ask him. We don't know. Hands off. It's good, but we don't know how it happened. So they ask him again, what happened? Now, maybe this is me being a snarky guy and placing myself in the story, but this dude's getting snarky now, right? Like, ugh, already told you. Okay, one more time. Mud, wash, see, ah, uh, yay. Can I leave now? And they, but they keep going. Like, they won't listen to him. 
over and over and over again. And they're finally like, well, it can't be. This cannot be a real thing. They're so caught in the fact that this had happened on the Sabbath, that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, had performed work on the Sabbath, that they think this cannot possibly be from God. This has to be something else, and they just will not listen to him. And as this goes on, the guy tells his story over and over and over again. He continues to share his experience, this thing that has happened as he knows it, as he has experienced it. And even though, yeah, I think he probably gets a little bit more snarky, or at least he's getting more and more bold every time he tells it, his story never changes. He put mud on my face. He told me to go wash. I washed it off, and I could see. It's the same thing. He's had this experience. And he tells them over and over and over, and they won't hear it. They seem to be caught either with this idea, well, this is a sinful situation, so it cannot be, or we cannot fathom the possibility that this miracle has happened and that you are who you say you are. They won't hear it. And finally, they cast him out. He's not going to change his story. He's not going to recant. He's not going to throw Jesus under the bus. He's not going to do it. Anybody notice someone missing from most of this story? Where's Jesus? He heals the guy and vamooses for almost the entirety of this story. And maybe the guy's like, it would really be nice if he was still here. He might be able to help me out. But maybe he needed to have this experience to be able to continue to tell his story of this is what God has done in my life. This is what has happened in my life. And he tells it over and over and over again. And then finally, Jesus finds the man after all of this turmoil has gone on. And he says, do you believe in the son of man? And the guy's like, who is he? Jesus is like, it's me. And the man believes and he worships him. I was thinking so much about this guy and the, this journey, metaphorical, this metaphorical journey that he goes on. Jesus sends him with a task. And because of what happens, he shares his experience and he grows throughout the experience. More bold, more bold, more bold. And eventually he then encounters the living Lord, the living Jesus, and he worships. Jesus sends him with a task, and he shares about it. Makes me think of a term that we throw around a lot. Have you heard the term apostle before? An apostle is someone who is sent by God with a message. This guy is literally sent to a place called Sent, and he has a story to share, even if no one will listen to it. Even if the, the, the social stigma is, is working against him. And these people can't see past whatever it is that's tripping them up. Now, I was thinking about this story, and I was also thinking about last week's gospel story. I didn't preach from this last week, but we did read it. It was the story of Jesus', Jesus encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. And that encounter, she also goes with a story to tell. And she shares it, and the people come and they encounter Jesus. This guy has a story to tell. And in both situations, typically social stigma, whether warranted or unwarranted, gets in the way of these people's lives, of these people's experience, of, of them being heard. And I think maybe there's a little bit of a critique in that when we consider 
in this story, it's the religious people, the religious elite who don't want to hear him because of stigma, because of what they can't get past. I can't help but think that in the church, if we look back through our history, we're kind of good at that. Someone has an encounter with the Lord in ways that doesn't make sense to us, in ways that doesn't match our experience, in ways that we can't get past, and so we won't hear them. But that does not discount the experience that these individuals, these people have had. We have each had our own experience with the Lord in one way or another, and maybe in many different ways. And as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, we are also sent to talk about it. We are all apostles in that regard. And I think everybody else is too. So as we hear this story today, as we consider this story today, think about who are those out there that we have trouble hearing because their experience is different than ours. And as we consider that, and maybe catch a little bit of a rebuke in that, may we also remember that when the same thing has been done to us, every single one of us is God's claimed beloved child. We are all followers of Christ in one way or another. And at different times, we've probably all been judged in one way or the other. But none of us will ever look upon the face of a person that God does not love. None of us will ever look upon the eyes or look into the eyes of a person and not see someone that God has claimed as beloved child. And that's the truth of the gospel in the long run. Jesus came to save the world. And that means it's for everybody. And that means it's for us. Yay. And that means it's for everybody else too. Can we hear that? Mm-hmm.